Welcome. You are ego casting into an infomorph in the RTFM scum swarm. I'm your host, Aaron King. I don't know. <laughs> did that did that fly? Was that I a love, fun intro? Uh, what does your infomorph look like? I love you. <laughs> <laughs> um it's like it's probably like two dolphins in the shape of a yin yang in a pretty gross way. <laughs> gross as in culturally appropriate way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I inherited I I couldn't I don't have enough net bucks to get a real infomorph yet and so this is one that uh someone gave me for free and this I have is to a use public it. domain infomorph i'm following <laughs> right, right. i got it on deviant arts they had <laughs> free it's actually someone's sonic oc <laughs> two dolphins oh no we do, we've we've already uh, we've already gone off the rails we're not yeah, we're we not even more... introducing people today i'm not introducing myself i'm just i'm just here via the the mesh I'm entering via the mesh. Keegan, please introduce yourself and uh, tell us about some cool things you do and where they can be found. Oh, God. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm a game designer, streamer, and overall dipshit. Uh, I'm KeeganEXE. <laughs> you can find me online at KeeganEXE.com or streaming as part of the Cult EXE channel over at Plus One EXP. Um, you can maybe pre-order my games if they're still out, if I still have copies left. I don't know. Um, that's an intro. Yeah, we are all in dipshit hours today. Welcome. Join <laughs> us on our scum swarm as we sail through the dipshit nebula into <laughs> Eclipse. I really don't want to swarm through, swim through the dipshit. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> today we're reading Eclipse Phase uh, by Rob Boyle and Brian Cross and some others. Uh, the first edition was published in 2009 by Catalyst Game Labs, who had published Shadowrun and Battletech and stuff. Um, and then a second edition was published independently by Posthuman Studios in 2019. Uh, it's released under Creative Commons, which is pretty cool. Can I do a quick overview? Yeah, do it. Yeah, please. Um, mechanically, it's a D100 game. You roll a D100, try to get into your skill. Uh, genrely, it is a post-Earth transhuman sci-fi game uh earth was destroyed by some bad robots and people live on other planets and space stations in the solar system their personalities are stored in cortical stacks which can be inserted into new bodies biological synth synthetic digital mixed uh some corpo neolib fascists live near earth other ways of living are further away from earth yeah that was a good. That's, that's pretty good. It was good, actually. <laughs> I mean, you. what's the I, tagline? The tagline is pretty cool. Is it on the back of the book? Are you is talking uh, the role-playing game of transhuman survival? Or is no, no. Your mind is software. Program it. Your body is a shell. Change it. Death is a disease. Cure it. Extinction approaches. Fight it. I mean, that does sound like a, a shitty electro song intro, if I've ever heard one. <laughs> that was, we could have put a beat behind that. It could happen. I'm going to do it. I'm going to add a beat behind that when I you edit this in. You should add one of Rob Boyle's beats behind it. <sighs> I guess Just I stay real on too. brand then. I mean, I guarantee you they're Creative Commons, even though I haven't looked up them. Because the whole book is Creative Commons, because the it is that internet. It is a product of that internet, right? Like, that is it, all the way through and through, this whole book is a product of the Creative Commons internet. <laughs> 
which yeah. I respect. It, it oh, hundred percent. Feels a little out of date or a little dated, I should say. Not which out is of funny because it's 2019 is when the second edition came out. Yeah, I just want to say, considering the sort of budget this book's working with, which see, looking at like the art and the number of writers and shit, this has to be this has to have been big budget, right? But like, it, it seems like it. Assuming everyone got paid, yeah. Yeah, knowing that, seeing them, like, Creative Commons it and Rob Boyle post it on his own website for free is actually pretty cool. Like, yeah. the bar yeah. is sort of the floor for people with money, <laughs> but uh, it's nice to see they didn't trip over it at least. Because it yeah. is, yeah, because it was kickstarted, right? Um, and it was kickstarted in 2019 presumably 2018 maybe and it was a $200,000 almost kickstarter $187,307 not that we need to get that specific but like that's not small it's not small and it's especially not small four years ago like I feel like kickstarters have gotten bigger and bigger but oh yes that's a big that's a big game yeah four or five years ago whenever it kickstarted I only see the last update I don't know I'm not looking that deep um it's also I mean dollar per page <laughs> it is it is small small dollar per page this is the biggest rpg book that i think i own barring uh apollo 47 which is 1200 pages of shit and great it's wonderful but like yeah this is like 430 something um i know both of you are horny and want to talk about the sex section but can we start <laughs> Before just, that, wait, I want to say one more thing about this book, which is that it won three innies. Sweet. Yeah. Which is, in 2010, which is the first edition. The first edition won them. Right? Yeah. 2010's the year Pathfinder. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's I don't remember. Uh, it's the same year Pathfinder came out, though. So it's interesting to see them uh, beat Pathfinder out in like multiple categories. Yeah, Very that's cool. fair. I, uh, yeah, I think they won some of the big ones, right? Yeah, they have a gold for best writing. They have a silver for cover art. They were beat by the Pathfinder Bestiary, and then a silver for product of the year, right mm-hmm. under Pathfinder. But gold for best writing above Pathfinder is nice for them. Yeah, no, that's rad. Which is funny because also, so we all read the second edition, but Aaron tried to read the first edition, which I think is an important note coming off of the best writing <laughs> moment because. I might be I might be calling Aaron out here, but didn't you <laughs> leave the first edition behind because well, it was to, so to poorly written it, that you uh, couldn't no, do it? It's not that it was so poorly written. It, and we'll get into this more. But it starts with all of the world information. So mm. there was not a rule or a character creation thing until I want to say page one twelve, which I was just not down for. Um, and then I came to this edition, and I it is better, and I just like. Shout out to people improving themselves as time goes on <laughs> instead of treading water with success. You know, like, uh, this is, uh, it's, it's a better book. So I also think I have no idea what any judges think. Isn't, is it all whatever, but if you were to tell me that this game won best writing in its game text versus in its microfictions, I would understand. That is an important distinction for me, so right? So like, it can be a wild thing I say immediately. And I guess we're, we're, we're getting into starting out. Uh, yeah, so let's, let's talk, start this There's book. short fiction right at the front of the book. Mm-hmm, it's 14 mm-hmm. pages of two column uh, small text, mm-hmm. which Good. for my old eyes no, is it. not great. You gotta, you yeah. gotta get that eye upgrade, that extra. The, 
site or whatever. The layout leaves a lot to be desired for me, but I'm going to ignore that because the, layout the, the short me... fiction's really good. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. The layout to me is also a product of like early 2000s. I'm an, I'm an internet guy, like for mm-hmm. sure. Like, because it feels like a lot of the game. I don't. I didn't see the first edition, but probably it looks kind of similar, is what I imagine. Uh, but for 2019, it definitely feels like a lot, a lot of text, a lot of like there is no. This is an uninspired layout, <laughs> is what I will say. Yeah. Uh, it looks like an internet forum, is what I think. But <laughs> that's it's a lot. Uh, but yeah, like the writing is not bad. Yeah, no, I was I was really happy with I think it does really good through like flavor portions as it goes on. I think all the short fiction and it's really good. There's a lot of short fiction in it. <laughs> um I think it's all really good. I I hate how the rules are written. <laughs> I I think this is my jumping off point. Max, you mentioned how long the book is. You were talking about um the short fiction. One of the introductory paragraphs says, "This is more than a tabletop role-playing game." It's a detailed science fiction setting that thoroughly investigates issues that affect our future as a species. Um, and I read that as like, this is a good, this is a feature of this book. This feature is also, it's not just a game, it's this setting. Mm-hmm. Um, it was at least intended as a feature. Right. And I have never wanted to read a setting. Maybe I did, you know, I read the Dark Sun setting book when I was like 12 or whatever. Um, but I don't like go out and seek text as setting. And it feels like I am running up against the limits of this podcast format <laughs> as far as like, we're going to read this like a book, but I don't think a setting book is like a novel, right? It feels like it should be a reference book or a wiki. And those are not meant to be read straight through. Yeah. Also, at this tech size, at this layout, this is a way longer than 430-page novel, even if it read. was a novel, <laughs> right? And for me, it's like that the people I'm, – I'm actually here to read a setting. I think people ruin their settings by adding too many details. I think there is a great setting in here if you cut out – 50 to 60% of the actual text. Like the world building is good. The politics are good. The statements about the future and about technology, they are all compelling. I don't need four paragraphs for you to say poor people's lives still suck because capitalism still exists. Like because shit still exists, right? Because like systems of power still exist. And I feel like they repeat themselves a lot in a way that doesn't actually help it be a good setting book. Yeah, so I think we all probably did the same thing here. We sort of flitted in and out of the, like, hundreds of pages of, um, <laughs> like, tables and reference material and, like, general setting stuff. But truly, anytime you dig into it, the stuff's good. You mm-hmm. can, like, write a game about, like, basic... You could write, like, a campaign around, like, basically any page of the... Um, World Guide, which is interesting. It's really dense. There's some really good stuff there. There's just so fucking much of it. And, well, and I it's mean, so hard to find. Totally. I can't imagine being a GM and being like, oh, wait, I remember reading about uh, this certain uh, settlement floating above Mars. I better mm-hmm. try and find it. And it's just like, because it's laid out in solid blocks of text, unlike a reference book, which has like very clear sidebars and headlines and subheadlines, 
it's I can't imagine trying to use this at the table. No, the information yeah. and like the mechanical information isn't really separated from that format either. And so like, oh, I know there's a rule about that enclave in Mars and how you enter a dome habitat that is specific and actually finding like what the what math you need is not like highlighted in any way, shape or form. It's just like somewhere in these three paragraphs that are where you're at, it'll say like this will impose a minus 10 modifier to something or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, they do a lot of flitting between like hard rules sections. Like they'll be like, Hey, here's combat. And then like <laughs> the next page is like, okay, yeah, here's like what it's like to live on Mars. And then like <laughs> 10 pages later, it's like, okay, so now we're going to talk about social roles. And it's like, I really wish they would have like put a wall up between these sections. Cause it, yeah. Reading it just straight through was real hard. <laughs> I mean, hot take. This is a better settings book than it is a game book. Oh, one hundred percent. Like the... oh, this. This is my other. This is my other hot take, <laughs> or my other like thing that I wanted to. I was like, before they talk about sex, let me get in on these two things. <laughs> We're gonna talk about sex all the way through. We're right, gonna interline right. sex all the way through. So the the other thing to me is that there's such a tension in this book between. This is transhumanism. You break down barriers. You're whatever you want. You look however you want. There's tension between that and such a granular system that's mm -hmm. like, you can be these things. There's a rule for each of these things. Here are these different bodies. They each have their different stats. These skills are so granular. It's just like, you can't be whatever you want because everything is like so detailed and you have to fit these pieces together. I really think like a lighter system that felt modular would apply to this philosophy so much better i even think if you took this game and gave it the traveler version one treatment where it was like it's in a bunch of small books here's the book on you know like the planets and the system here's the book on politics and culture here's here's the book, the book on, on, on morphic <laughs> yeah yeah here's the psionic stuff that nobody will ever read or use here uh you know and like here's a whole book on just the sexy parts <laughs> Um, and then here's the rules. And then you're just like, great, I'm going to toss this rules book out. And then, which is, which is funny because the thing I do want to talk about, there are rules I like, but most of them I don't like. But there yeah, are some feels, in there that are really creative and clever that I enjoy. It feels like, and obviously it's before it came out, but like, it feels desperately like this wants to be a through the void game or something. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I would have so much fun playing this game. Rules light. Like in something defined to be like rules light modular, that's not what the system actually is. No, because it also like the the D one hundred, like the thing. So for example, combat. Combat is the thing that I just like my eyes glazed over because it's, it's a D one hundred under, and then it's stepped, and there every combat role is an opposed role that has multiple steps to it, and I'm like, and and initiative an initiative round is three seconds <laughs> like this is not so in order to get like if you have five if you have four players and a gm that is operating like three people or whatever you're looking at seven like seven turns of nine steps each that represents three seconds of play that's and that's rough. only doing a combat action is one of two or three things you'll be doing during your mm -hmm. turn Mm -hmm. is the worst it's, part so it's like nine steps to get through this but also you're moving your character because they specifically talk about gridded combat like mm -hmm, you're moving your character mm -hmm. you're <laughs> using an action to explain a complex thought you're shooting somebody <laughs> and then you're potentially using like that the 
pool system it has to like get additional actions, like get a second shot off, making a second nine step opposed roll <laughs> with another player. It's so much. It's it feels lot. like so much to get done in three seconds of fiction. <laughs> yeah. It's so the steps are because I feel like it's always fun to do this. Declare attack, declare defense, apply modifiers, make a post text at test, determine results, and then you roll the damage, apply armor, apply damage, determine wounds, which is banana pants. And mm-hmm. because all of this is the context of D100 roll under, an opposed roll is one of those really awkward situations where you're both rolling to try and get under your your target number. And if you both get under, then it's whoever's closest, which is just, it's so, it's such a, it's such a thing I don't enjoy as a system. I, I actually really like no! opposed roll no! under rolls. No! Aaron's canceled. Aaron's canceled for the podcast. Yeah, I wrote... The podcast is now Keegan and Max. Thank you. (laughs) It's D100 roll under, but you also want to roll the highest number possible under it. Also, there's... It's like Price is Right. You want to get as close to your number (laughs) without going over. Sure, I'll give you this, right? But then there's also the 3366 system where you want to roll under a 33 or... Yeah, I think it's like... I don't even remember if it's you're trying to roll under or above a 33. So you're trying to roll... Over a 33, but under your target number to get a superior result. And then you're trying to also not roll above 66 to get, like, a superior failure. No, but you also... Get, you want to get over the 66. You want to roll high. Oh, my God. under your target <laughs> And then crits also exist, which are just better <laughs> versions of the superiors. It's just too much. It's too much. It was... And I... They had a really I cool like first thought, and then they were like, what if we had crits, hyper crits, and then, like, double hyper crits? And that's what <laughs> 30, and what if instead of and crits all exist. My problem, even if I'm okay with a, a D100 opposed roll, if there are no modifiers, there are no steps, yes, there is no criticals, a... there are no other targets, you are just rolling two dice, and you can see instantly... Oh, I fail. I failed. You succeeded, so you win. We both succeeded, but I won a little bit better. But both things happened. Like I like, I like them in theory because in theory they kind of give you this like fictional play space of like gradiated results, which I've talked about a ton, right? But like the mm-hmm. difference between I succeed and you fail, or we both succeed but I succeed better, is a fun fictional space. But they made it thinking so about yeah, but thinking about nine <laughs> steps to determine every number to make that because what was the other? Is it it wasn't Gamma World? Was it original D anD D? There was another book we read that had steps for combat. That was one of I the think old it might ones. Have been Traveler, but okay. a lot of but a lot of the Traveler stuff did not necessarily apply. Like the Traveler one, I think just listed right, out yes. every possible. You know, like if you have the high ground kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, oh, this has that in there. It's just in a different chapter. Right. Later no, on, well, you will learn that there are more modifiers. Related to the rules light, like modular rules thing, I was really excited. So you, you make your character and you get these three different skill packages and they're kind of like what you used to be, what your career is, and what your other interests are, and you get different skills based on those, which is that's all right. I'm kinda I'm into that. Uh you know, I like career paths. Um but I was looking for like, oh, well, what are the actual abilities that you get? What does it let you do if you're a soldier versus you're whatever? And it's nothing. You just get a higher skill number. Yeah. And I'm so sad. And so I was like, oh, well, that must be in traits, right? Like you pick a trait and that just lets you do this cool thing. But a lot of the traits are just like plus five reflex, blah, blah, blah. And like there's no 
moment where it's like, here's this cool thing that you just get to do, which is one of my favorite parts of games, right? Like fighters in good games just get to like attack everyone or protect mm-hmm. someone. Wizards in cool games, you know, but and like that's not here. You just get better numbers, which is fine. Like that's the system. But if I'm going to play a cool transhuman sci-fi thing, I want a thing that just is like, you're a weird electric eel robot. You can just electrocute someone. Like, I don't want a plus five roll to tail whip someone that does (laughs) electric damage. I want, you just get to, they're paralyzed her around. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I also like, I mean, as a note, the, the interests are just more jobs for the most part. Right. Yeah. Like paramedic is listed under an interest. That's nobody's. That's a job. That is something that people should be paid a wage to do. Uh, it's not like not oh, in well, America, Max. Uh, my hobbies include being a first responder for. I literally, I literally know people who are. Uh, I mean, volunteer like, firefighters literally like a big like a big thing in America where you just like being a vi- firefighter so much you come do it for free. And I yeah. would argue that's an interest, not a job. I think if you're doing a thing that other people get paid to do for their living for free, it's still a job. You just negotiated yeah. it poorly. Okay, I'm just look. I'm just trying it, to be a shitty American for I you. I know. Okay. But if it, we have volunteer firefighters here too. But if it said interest medicine, different. Right. That's an interest. But That's it says paramedic, health, which is a health, job title. Health and safety is my interest. Well, like, like before... I have friends that are supposed to that like will self-identify as like mob wives because they can stitch a wound right and they're like a genuinely interested in like diy methods of like fixing a body part and like that's legit i'm into that but they're not calling themselves paramedics before we get too far away from game mechanics i just want to say a initiative too much fucking math it's like you're adding two things together and dividing it by five who came up with this but (laughs) the the system they have for pools is legitimately good tech mostly I was yeah, going to say, yeah. pools are cool in this whole game. My, my note says, pools are actually cool. This book should be four pages long. Like, and I meant the rules section. Like, the rules yeah. should be four pages. The pools are actually cool. Because, like, so the rules are split into what your what your ego can do, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, your true self or whatever. And then your morph, which is your, your little skin that you get sleeved into, your little body. And the, like, the morph mechanics are kind of cool i feel like mm-hmm. you could have left this at morph mechanics like you don't need ego skills you don't need all this stuff you could have just been like you have a morph morphs come with pools they are there's four or five of them in different categories there's four of them and each and you get a certain number of points in each pool and then you can spend those to just automatically do shit and that's cool <laughs> yeah so like if you blow an insight one, you can just learn a clue, which is great. You can burn a flex to introduce an NPC or an item. Those are both really good. On the other hand, you can blow a moxie one to negate a player's social gaffe that a character wouldn't make. And that's bad, actually. <laughs> because the GM section later talks about how your players and characters might have like legitimately like different amounts of charisma or whatever and just sort of roll with it so it feels sort of bad to be like hey you can blow this if your players being if you, if you don't know how to how to be like hey not have these social you really, you really fucked up you better burn a moxie point mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it's I the only like, moxie point i hate though or the only pool point thing i hate <laughs> i think this is i think this is a whole game this pools mm-hmm. situation and it is a good whole game because you could like, even get into like wagering points against totally. your opponents. Yeah, I love it. 
I also just want to say that RTFM does not support Cartesian dualism. We do not believe in the mind-body separation. <laughs> uh, the body influences the mind. The mind is part of the body. You cannot separate them into two separate pools of skills. I'm just learning about a fundamental philosophy of RTFM, <laughs> I guess. I've just learned something about myself in this. Thank you. In this game mechanics section, they is the first time they bring up your insanity rating. And oh, I do yeah. want to point out, this game came out in 2019. <laughs> Fucking do better. Well, I mean, it's so funny. I also, I have a very long set of notes about this game mm -hmm. and Same. mental health and neurodivergence so we can get into that because then i think that section then leads into like society and sexuality and stuff which i know is why you're both here um <laughs> one sec i want you to know under the making a character section real fast it, you can roll the first three out of ten steps on it and i did do that <laughs> Oh, do you want to tell get us? Tell us. Go. Tell you, us go your character. Now. Tell us your character. Okay. Cool. Cool. So I rolled an isolate explorer async, which is uh, for the listener a hermit that explores unseen alien exoplanets that has the virus that turned the Titans against humanity, and also they're psychic. <laughs> That's great. That's rad. You have to which read is... the. You have to read the psychic chapter though. That's the. You have to read the side chapter. I don't want to read the psychic chapter. It's so many pages. Um, <laughs> It's sort of wild, though. I got very excited. I, like, flipped to the first page, and I was like, oh, fuck, it's 10 steps, and there's a roll table on the first page of steps. Like, great. So I rolled the first three steps, and then got to page four, and it was like, oh, no, steps four through 10, there's no rolling for And it was like, okay, well, now I'm less excited. <laughs> yeah, now I'm done. Thank you. Did, does anybody, I guess this is a thing we can try and do later, but, like, I don't feel equipped to try and summarize the world lore, but maybe we'll try it. We'll try and take a stab at it once we get to the cultural section. Aaron, you want to talk about brains. You want to talk yeah. about traits, right? Um, no, I want to talk about the mental health. This is in the Accelerated Future chapter. Um, mm -hmm. And they're talking about mind hacking. Because obviously, if your body is nothing, you can put your body in whatever. Like, what does that mean for the mind? And they get into stuff related to, like, erasing memories and changing your personality and your attitude via therapy, drugs, computers, um, stuff like that, which I think is interesting and needs to be addressed in this kind of world. Mm -hmm. um, they take a big swing, which I respect and appreciate. Um, <sighs> others live with congenital personality disorders that create suffering for themselves and others. Psychosurgery can treat the symptoms and sometimes even cure the root causes of these traumas and diseases. And it's like... I, I If you could do psychosurgery on me and cure the root cause of my mental illness, which is capitalism, I hope I, I will go under the knife for that. I know that's not what they mean. Um, but again, it's, it is a symptom of this idea that your mind and your body are separate and society is another third thing and they are not a crazy intricate web and that I am not partially the society element. Like it just... They do they, have a drug for you, though, Aaron. They set up this this separation between all those things and then kind of try to deal with it in a way that doesn't quite work. Um, yeah, the negative traits show up in, a, in just a way I really hate. Uh, very similarly, it talks about addiction as a trait, and if you get into it, it's like, oh, yeah, it also, we have this, like, rollable addiction table for if you're trying to get clean, and if you're the GM, here's how you can force the character to relapse and stuff like that that was like... Okay, I understand we wanted, like, a big swing. We wanted to be able to talk about this, but oof, I'm not sure it landed in places. Right. I, I, it, 
reminded me of Max talking about sex last episode of just like so many games do not even acknowledge that sex is a thing. And mm-hmm. I get that maybe partially they do that because then they don't have to deal with all the difficult things associated with sex and sexuality and gender. Um, but it leaves the sort of, we've talked about the fruitful void where it's like, oh, we didn't mention this and you are sort of invited to inhabit that space we didn't mention. This is like a plastic void, a, a like <laughs> empty death kind of place where if you don't mention sex, it's just like, oh, it's just weird sexless world. And I think with this setting, if you had taken that approach with mental health, it would just be like, wait, so everyone's either fine or like a fucked up addicted dirt bag and there's no like way of dealing with that and so I'm glad that they tried to address it I don't know I just am unsure if I would rather have people try and fail to talk about this stuff which is inevitable Mm -hmm. or if I would rather they left it alone yeah it's also a little bit at odds with the neurodiversity paragraph right because they do actually try to address like neurodiversity in, in a general context right and like the neuro like when they comment on neurodiversity it's like Already neurological differences such as autism, ADHD, and dyslexia were viewed as normal variations of neurology rather than pathologies to be fixed, right? Like they've already said that like as we gained so much more understanding of how humans work, we stopped seeing these things as like huge failures <laughs> or like or diseases or they're, like whatever. They're not, right? Yeah, they're not diagnosis. Yeah. Diagnoses, they're, they're just other ways that people have to think. Yeah. And so and it's they, weird to they have go on to that, point out like, like some of these are useful. And yeah. not, you know, but then it's just weird of like, in an anarchist society, you probably shouldn't be rating things on how useful they are. Also you're that. not producing like, yeah, it gets, it just, it's so hard to address this stuff without becoming a mental health textbook. Yes. And I think it like, I do think, I do think that it is one of the least offensive writ like readings i've had of the topic in like in games in particular i do think that like using the word insanity is a little weird um like i do think that there's just like (laughs) it's very funny to be like these people aren't crazy anymore they're just people who think different and then be like but there are still totally crazy yeah (laughs) i think this is a this is a major thought i had just with a lot of um like lore versus mechanics and stuff and this is that they just landed on some like really uneven footing on things like I know we're, we're about to talk about the transhuman sexuality part, but like, <laughs> I thought that was largely a pretty good section, but it's immediately followed by the section where they talk about like having children and like what that looks like. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, everyone custom builds their own kids. And they just like, don't talk about the weird eugenics involved in that. Like they have such it's- an ability to like tackle heavy topics. And then when like really big ones come up, they're like, mm, let's just ignore them. Or, or let's write rules around them that are just like. I feel like as as folks who all read science fiction literature, like it's I mean whatever the 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 history of science fiction literature is all over this book and acknowledged in the back right like there's mm-hmm. a long reading list of books many of which I've read and can see the through threads like and some things can see like one for one oh I know exactly where you got that idea from, and I feel like one it's about trying to like like crystallize all of these things, like solidify them all down into one world that contains all of the different nerd things that you're excited about in your nerd world, which I think is a failed endeavor to start with. And the other I feel like is to try and take largely dystopic futures 
and then imbue this them with the space for your political views that oppose them. And I don't think that those things, like in, in a world building level, not to say like, oh, your characters can be all these things, but like we want to both have, you know, fabrication, like rapid fabrication has made uh, like, like people don't go hungry here. Basic needs yeah, are met because you can kind of, yeah. And, but like every second page is the elites, this, the elites, that we don't have currency, the elites, this, the elites, that. And I'm like, I don't, how do you talk about these structures of power while removing all of the tools of them? I understand it's an interesting like thought realm to think like, oh, what happens when we are post-scarcity? What happens when we are post-labor? What happens, you know, like what happens when we're, post a lot of these a lot of these like capitalistic ideas that kind of like you know have have their boots on our neck as a as a people uh and but still maintain a lot of that like dark gritty dystopic science fiction vibe to it and i just think that i think one of those questions is way more interesting than the other one one dystopic science fiction worlds are a, a done a plenty you don't have to give characters or game players worlds build like that because we all have that in our head we're like stuffed it down our throats all the time you don't need it thinking about what the alternate is and actually just making your world based on that super fascinating and the parts for me of this book that were just based in that were the parts that were successful, right? Like the parts yeah. where I could read, like I know what the authors, without knowing who they are, I know what the author's political standings are because of reading this book, which is very rare. And if they had just gone with like, you know, what happens when we're post-scarcity, when we're post-labor, when we're when there are whole anarchist enclaves in the world, and there are whole anarchist planets where people are invested in mutual aid and respect and the in search of pleasurable activities or whatever, right? Like, what do those look like? But you wouldn't sell, you probably wouldn't have $187,000 Kickstarter if you just put those in there, which is probably I, why people always do that, right? Like, I, I think honestly a, think a, they, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Me. I was just saying this is a problem think... with capitalism in the world also. <laughs> like, this yeah. is the real world capitalism affecting the fake world lack of capitalism. I think they maybe did something smart by saying all these people in this universe have a taste of that future, but there's still these people. And this again, gets into like the history of the world, the galaxy. Um, there are still these people living near earth on Mars, on the moon around there that are stuck in these kind of neoliberal capital ways. And they are holding people back. They have literal cortical stacks, people's minds waiting to be, put into bodies and they trade them like stocks mm -hmm. because when they get put into bodies, they become indentured servitudes. We put you in a body. You owe us 10 years of labor. Those people are still there. There are people further away from earth and the galactic center that have like found ways to break those systems, but they don't have the, the firepower, the resources, whatever that this, neoliberal capitalist machine still has mostly a hold on. And I think it's a good position to start players out in because it's like, here's the baddies. Like you are so close. And this is something that I always feel in real life. If everyone just was, you know, more polite, aligned with my political ideologies, we would have this beautiful future for everyone, but that's not the way. And instead we are left to fight for it. And so I think the game tries to position like you are so close to this cool transhuman f future of, of no lack of no loss, 
but you just have to deal with these motherfuckers on Mars first, uh, and then you can have it kind of thing. Yeah. And so I think it does a good job of, like, you know, setting up the pins to be knocked down. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I think the statement is good. I think the, like, practical application is, like, okay, but without scarcity, how do those systems still exist? And I can't get a clear picture of this. Like, I don't think that I can yeah. GM I, I a can game tell of you this. the answer is in one paragraph on page, like, 212 or whatever I probably missed and, they, and you just <laughs> right and do you, you know what i mean like past it <laughs> it hint, the game hinges on these kind of little things that could be listed up front and they do try to list like some of the themes right up front but then in the gming section they have different themes and i think that messaging does get a little mixed um i think you're right i think it could be made clearer Jumping to just the end, the GMing section specifically talks a little bit about, um, we finally see them call, refer to the setting as splatterpunk. It's, we're like 300 pages into the book before Wait, the first time they do I this. I missed that. What? Yeah, and it really takes the setting from like grim dark to gonzo and irreverent in a way that they're really not upfront about. <laughs> right. But they're like, oh yeah, you know, it's horrible and things are exploding and characters are dying constantly. And that's actually really funny. And they talk some about how the first book, um, one of the like big bads you could come across, like clones the player characters um, and then runs them through a meat grinder and eats them like in front of them. <laughs> and that's really fucking funny. And it feels like if they mentioned that bit of tone up front, it would make a lot of the darker stuff in the setting like, oh, okay, it's because they want us to literally run these people through a meat grinder. That makes sense. Yeah. It clicks yeah. now. But, like, they didn't include that tonal note at the front of the book. <laughs> also, that's not a tonal note in how it's written. It's written very, I am writing, I have read too much Ray Kurzweil. I am, mm -hmm. I am writing real scientific futurism thought, like technology thought. And, like, it's, it's written in a way that is intended to feel real. Which is very different than hyperviolence, than than a Gonzo super like this isn't Borderlands, right? Like this is not. Yeah, and none of the art mimics that either. Like it's it, no, this it's is, very this them trying to have their cake fiction. and eat it too. But <laughs> can I read you my favorite GM section line before we? Yeah. Then then I think we get into the sex. Hell yeah. <laughs> Then we're favorite. just going to brush over the sex. Aaron's just going to keep saying, and then we'll get into the sex for an hour and a half, and we'll never talk about it. We're blue-balling our listeners. <laughs> um, my favorite line from the GM section is, you may have an encyclopedic knowledge of Eclipse phase, but providing a full info dump to your players is likely to make their eyes glaze over. Yeah, 100%. I actually just skimmed the GM section because of how it started, and I was like, oh, I, I, this is not GM advice I like at all, uh, which I think was the... I think the first little bit part of what they talk about is planning how many sessions it's going to be and making sure that you know your arc and and all of that like oh these are the worst D and D GMs that have a whole fucking plan that you're just kind of passively walking through. There's a lot of that in here. And what's I, interesting about this is like, what if we just started somewhere and we're like, I have no idea where this is going. Like that's how you, you know, want to play this game. You know, what's wild is is it's 
so here's the thing is the jamming section starts really bad and then legitimately gets really good i think it's some of the best writing in the book (laughs) there are some sidebars in the threats and x risks section that i was Uh like i wish the whole gm section was just these and it was like where the fuck were they (laughs) right here's here's a, a a bulleted list of you know like here's a cool thing here are these titans that these huge AIs that ruined Earth for us. And then here's a bulleted list of things that might be true about them, ways they might interact with the other factions we've talked about so far. GM and players like work out which is cool and which is true. And each of those bulleted list items, is, I found so much more interesting than like any other full page of text in the game because it is exactly what I wanted. The thing we talked about of like, oh, there's a great idea on here, but it's buried in this other text here's just a list of 10 awesome ideas for your campaign oh my some God. might be true some might not it's so cool every other page in the final section is like oh yeah this is this is a whole campaign i could do a whole campaign on this i do want to say at the beginning of the threats and x risk section has some has uh if you're a player and not a GM, we recommend you skip this chapter. The material here might be enjoyable to learn about as character during gameplay. If you decide to read it anyway, be warned this makes you a candidate for running the game. And I think it's great that they're like, hey, don't read this chapter. If you do, you're the GM now. Fuck you. <laughs> That's good stuff. That's very yeah, good. Yeah, I did like the threats and X risks, which is a different chapter than running the game. The running the game chapter did the not The running the game chapter for me. Bad. The threats and yeah. X risk section is full of legitimately good GMing advice. Yeah, for sure. One of my notes was that there there is a section. Everybody's the GM now. Everybody who listens to this podcast is the GM because we're talking about mm-hmm. we're talking about the forbidden knowledge at the back of the book that only GMs have access to. But there is a secret histories section. It's which so is, fucking good. Which it's is a concept. So good. <laughs> it's a concept that like every every setting I think should have is like, because in the beginning of the book, it says this is what is like, this is what is known, right? These are the stories that are told. This is what is is, uh, just understood by the mass of people. And then in the back, it has the secret histories, like what really happened when, because like people don't really live on Earth because there was fucking AIs that went bananas and killed everybody. Yeah, I I got this one. I got this one. So (laughs) Okay, great. Do it. Humans introduce uh, ASIs, which are artificial super intelligences. They're named Titan. It stands for something I did not write down what it means. I have four uh, pages. Actually, the first ASIs introduced by humans were called the we're, Prometheans. That's secret GM knowledge. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the history that's known is that the Titans <laughs> were the first one. They come across an alien virus that corrupts them. They attempt to wipe out all Earth, all life on Earth, and then they just fuck off. Yeah. They just fucking disappear. <laughs> And there's this whole section in the back that's like, oh, yeah, no, what they discover is an ETI, which is an extraterrestrial intelligence um, that seeded the galaxy with viruses that specifically seek out these super intelligences to turn them against their creators and then run and go hide behind the ETIs, which is just a cool fucking section of game. It's just like so I feel like if it was shorter, I'd be really into it. Like, here's what's known and here's what's secret. And I want that to be like a few pages not a hundred pages because there's like a hundred pages of here's what's known well Uh, and the fun so i read a bunch of white wolf books growing up vampire and mage and all that and they always have here's what's known here's what's secret but Mm -hmm. the here's what's secret is always like there's some actual really powerful cool people doing things and moving in the background and you're like probably too weak or dumb to ever get into that what I love about this and what avoids that pitfall is like 
that here's what's true, here's the secret history, mm-hmm. is a list of options. Like, even when they say here's what's true, it's like not all of these. Pick some. Pick whatever's fun. Link these things together in one of these varieties of ways, which I think is a great way to, like, tell the secret history but still have it be uh, discoverable by players. It's not about these other people doing cool things while you're here being little peons. It's about here are the things that the player characters can discover. Yeah. Yeah. Just a just a, a, a question I had reading this, which... Uh... So the whole back section of the book is this GM section where it's like, hey, players don't read this, which is a thing I really like. Just like, a, hey, this is the GM section. Don't fucking read this if you're not the GM. What did you all think about that, though? Do you all have opinions on the, like, cutting players off from that information bit? I've long wanted to. Did you? Did either of you ever read? This is slightly tangential. Did either of you ever read Graham-based books when you were a kid? They were puzzle books. No. no. So there are these fabulous puzzle books. I rec- if you like like find like hidden objects type stuff, they're very great for it. But they always had all of these puzzles written throughout them. And in the back, they had the solution to the puzzles. And the solution to the puzzles came in these pages that were taped together. And so you had to actually like slice, unseal the back page like it was a little dossier in order to access all of the secret puzzle knowledge. And I've, I've always wanted that to be in an RPG, that all of the GM stuff is in this tiny little like sealed packet at the back, even just taping. Like I would do this to myself. I could do this myself. Like I think you could do yourself is just put a little piece of tape mm. um, around that section so that it has to be cut open so that there's this really clear like this is not for you yeah uh which i'm very tempted to do this to a book now (laughs) great wonderful i have two different books where i do this like quarantining of gm information because fanta does it and an extremist does it now i just really want to tape the back few pages of each do it (laughs) uh i i think it's a like I think it's fun. I think as a player, it becomes this like, oh, someday I might upgrade and like mm-hmm. read what's in there. Like I'm going to play it for a bit. It's, It also lives in a world where like, like this game lives in a, in, in a different kind of gaming world than I live in, right? This game lives in a, I have a crew of people that get together every Friday night and we're going to play for six years, <laughs> uh, which that's, apparently is a world that Keegan lives in. Yeah, that's can just literally... Get I've been uh, <laughs> playing with my exact play group for I think like five years now. We're on our like third big campaign game right now. <laughs> it's just it's not it's not my world. We get we I can do like once short... a week. We play every Sunday. <laughs> I can do short campaigns, but I I have all of the memeable flaky friends. Um, but like, because there's just so much, right? And I feel like, but the idea that oh, I get to play this for a little bit and then I'm gonna. Once I've kind of done with it, I've played it for a year, I've gone through the campaign, I've explored the world, I'm then going to open that little packet at the back and see all the forbidden knowledge, and it's going to change the way I think about that whole storyline that I've created with my players is fun. Specifically Mm -hmm. in relation to, like, there being secret truths in there. I care less about, like, oh, don't read this because it gives you advice on how to run a role-playing game. Like, that part is like, whatever. If you want to read advice on how to run a role-playing game, fine. But the idea that there's, like, this secret... Well, I think what we're saying is that we've all now committed to write some kind of setting book where there's the, this is what the world thinks is happening and this is what's really happening. (laughs) Coming Mm -hmm. to Kickstarter. No, uh... I'm doing that. But yeah, I think it's, like, a cool... I think it's a cool little thing. I feel like it's fine to be like, don't read this. 
I feel like it'd be even greater if it was like scratch and sniff, like sections of the book. <laughs> Don't smell them. <laughs> sections of this book you have to like scratch away to see what's true or whatever. But that's just a solo game, I think. <laughs> no, you can. I made. Uh, this is. I'm sorry, we're blue balling even further. No, you I love can, this. <laughs> this is. Uh, you can make uh, scratch off stuff. Uh, I think you mix dish soap and. Uh, certain kind of paint, but I made a, a scratch off map for one of my campaigns. And so you like laminate a piece of paper and then you apply this scratch off paint. And as they explore, they get to scratch it off. And it was very fun. It's very good. It's like, I have no idea how to mass produce it, but shout out Adam Vass did scratch and out claw. Adam Vass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which was like a, a lottery ticket style scratch off stuff too. So I think it's valuable gaming tech. I think people have started to explore it. I think there's a lot to do there. So I'm keep never on scratching. Looking. I'm never scratching my scratch and claw. No, I don't know. Maybe I will. They just. I bought on, a whole I'm pack like, no. of them. So I, that I mean, I, I bought a pack of them one. also, and I'm like, I don't <laughs> like. I made a little scratch and claw single page like postcard adventure, and I'm like, someday I'll play this, and it'll be momentous or whatever. But or I'll resell them when <laughs> uh, Adam <laughs> when Vass they become, yeah currently on tour. With their band Law Dispute. So check if Law Dispute is coming to your city. And they aren't already sold out. Oh, have they been selling out? Oh, yeah. I mean, Law Dispute's huge, legitimately. I have no idea. Oh, okay. <laughs> Aaron doesn't listen to music. <laughs> That's very funny. Yeah, no, uh, here's, no, a, here's a fun love, story. I, I don't know if this music. makes it to the pod, Jeez. but um, I saw Law Dispute years ago. Like, well before I was in, in indie games. And then I met Adam and was like, oh, you were, oh. <laughs> Lol. So famous. So so fancy. Uh, yeah, do we talk about, do we talk about sex? I don't know. Is there any other mechanical? I have so many notes. I feel like everybody has super, I have a lot four of pages of notes. So many, so many <laughs> notes. I, because we didn't even, like, the morphs are cool. I feel like there's a lot of stuff in the morphs that are really cool that I really enjoy. So uh, in the morph section, they talk about biomorphs really early on. It's the first time the game talks about sex. It's like 50 pages in. And it's to say that if you're a biomorph, you can play a pleasure pod, which is like a sex bot. Um, and then it specifically mentions all of them can purr, which I, this is also implies the future's notes. full of cat boys. <laughs> I know. This is also <laughs> one of my notes. All of them can purr. <laughs> All of them compare. What an absurd thing to put in the future your game book. is cat boys. This is all I'm taken away from this. This is this is just the author deciding that the future has to be full of their kink. Like this is fully somebody outing themselves. Right. Like you say, I've never I've never been having sex and thought, you know what this needs? More purring. <laughs> exactly. I've like never thought idea. that because I've always lived with thirty seven cats. So it's ever present, but like this is it's a different thing. It's like, yeah, all of them purr. I literally <laughs> just put, oh my god, the pleasure pods purr as a no- as a note. I didn't even put a page. I was just like, this is wild. This is a wild thing. My note also, literally: pleasure pods are sex bots. They can all purr. This implies the future is cat boys. I want to live here. <laughs> so, I know. also I put that I would a hundred percent play a Nova Crab sex worker. This is this <laughs> this game would let me because it says like. It definitely says the other types of morphs are less good for pleasure things, like physical pleasure right, things this or whatever. Is... But what, uh, why? <laughs> this why gets back do? to the part where I was like, you can be anything, but if you're good at sex, you can't be a crab. <laughs> you know, it's just like, and I... 
which you should just let me mix and match all just of these. Let things. me let me fuck my crab boy, but like <laughs> I'm two also... dolphins. That's a yin yang sign that purrs. I feel like there were actually too many morphs. The morphs are cool, but I don't need seven seven hundred morphs because there's not like sure six why different. So many of them are separated. <laughs> yeah, because they're all different categories. Well, because there are different categories, and so they have like different skills and different pools that they can access. And, right, like... it's that weird mechanical granularity again. Yeah, of, like if you want to be a sex thing, you can be this kind or this other kind that is synthetic, which is different from bio. It's just sort of like. Can you please just come up with a tag system? Also, like, every pleasure pod purrs, but you better not try and fuck the Neo-Octopus, which 100% a million people would be doing. (laughs) So many people would be like, I'm doing it right now. That's why my camera's not on. (laughs) (laughs) If we're just basing this based on, like, the porn that's on the internet, that Neo-Octopus is your most popular (laughs) morph. 100%. Uh, It's also just, like... There's just a swarm of little little robots. Fuck, I forgot about swarm bots. God damn it. I yeah, didn't write out all my bots. morphs. <laughs> oh, I forgot called, that I wanted to talk swarmanoids. about swarmanoids. <laughs> Thank you. I wanted to talk about scum. Oh, I love scum. I love the scum. So there are different factions. There are different reps. Mm-hmm. And I think one is scum rep. Yeah. Just and in case scum, you want more mechanics on your mechanics, right. there's a reputation system. Scum is just a word for like traveling anarchists, right? Mm-hmm. Am I getting that approximately yeah, right? Well, they're they're hedonists more than anarchists. They're hedonists, but I think that one is like kind of inherently connected to the other one. Right. It book. also just seems like oh, they're probably not hedonists in any like dangerous way. They just don't care about your, you know, starched beliefs about sex well i think yeah like it does it does say that they are like on the hunt for pleasurable pleasure-based activities which could be like art or like creative expression like it doesn't have to be like physical pleasure right um Um, i just wanted to say that my friend igor when he was a, a a young teen got banned from the neopets forums for discussing adult content and he and his friends started separate neo scum forum called scums plural <laughs> in oh pursuit God. of pleasure. Maybe this is where that came from. And though. so I really hope game designer Rob Boyle was on my <laughs> friend Igor's Neopets adult forum called Scums. You didn't That's see all that I in the to put giant appendix section. Is oh right, the, is the <laughs> Neopet Scums. Uh. Have I talked about scums on the podcast before? It's so formative to me when he told me that story. I know this story, and (laughs) I love it. It's my favorite story. You can also edit it out. uh, I don't think I've heard this before. So that's it. That's all I got. Let's talk about sex, baby. There's so much. I mean, scum does leave directly. I feel like scum is where all the scum swarms are where all the sex happens anyway. So yeah, that's. I legitimately love the transhuman sexuality section of this, starting just with the sentence, we're all genderqueer now. I do appreciate that. We're all genderqueer now. Uh, Yeah, so the transhuman sexuality, I mean, the fact that source intimate interfacing link, I have no idea why these layouts exist. Please cease. Uh, But yeah, like the idea that like, 
Also, okay, I like that it exists because base world is, yes, everybody is genderqueer. Everybody in this world is genderqueer. If you're just sleeving into different morphs and you can customize those morphs however you want, nobody's doing a normative gender pre- presentation. Mm-hmm. Unless, <laughs> unless you have legitimate gender dysphoria. It's incredible <laughs> to me that they bridged that gap oh, as well as they did. Wild. I see. I feel a little <laughs> weird about it. I feel, I feel slightly strange so, about it. I feel like when you take in it to account the like end of the game where they're like, hey, not all the information in this book is good or real information. Them going like, hey, we're all genderqueer now. And then immediately presenting afterwards like, hey, this is a trans person talking about their dysphoria and how we're all genderqueer now actually isn't very good. Was like uh, sort of a nice way to bridge that gap for me. (laughs) Yeah. And this is probably my like my individual trans headcanon. But I don't like I get that it also is trying to like include space for marginalized people to play out their marginalization in a game which i think is like totally legit and often important but there's something about it that was like that didn't this might just be a continuation of what aaron keeps saying about like not really hitting the difference between like if we live in a post-gender world I don't think that trans people are going to be the last standing bastion of the gender binary, right? Like that's, I don't think that's what's going to happen here. Yeah. And that like, and maybe, maybe we will. (laughs) What do I know? I'm never going to experience a post-gender world. So maybe it is going to be us that upholds that. But like, it's, and I, like, I get the intention and the way it's Mm -hmm. written, it's very clearly that like the intention is to make, to not try and erase trans people when erasing like dominant gender binaries. And I think that's yeah. like a totally noble endeavor. <laughs> um, but what the, like what this reads as is there's no gender except trans people who really need to be seen in like one specific way exclusively forever are the exception to everybody else just being kind of enlightened and past gender. And it's a weird, it's a weird, there's something about it. I was just like, oh, I, I get, feel weird. It's one of those sections where I think weirdly the transhuman sexuality pa- thing is two pages. And it feels like yeah. it could have been, I don't know, 20 pages. And a lot of those pages, and a lot of that is about sex and not about gender. And I really think that, like, in a transhuman book. So I should We should have spent more time a, talking about gender. Yeah, because I should, like, preface with this with the fact that, like, the way in which I conceptualize my trans identity is through the lens of transhumanism. It has okay. always been that way. I have never, I do not believe in manhood, so I'm certainly not committed to upholding it with my physical body. Um, this is right. Like I, the only, the thing that gave me, because I'm a nerd, the thing that gave me what I felt like the allowance that I needed in order to physically alter my body is transhumanist thought, not transgender thought. Okay, that's fair. And that, which is like a weird thing. <laughs> it's a weird thing because like transgender thought for me is largely a given. Like it's one of those like that's just, I grew up in a queer household. I grew up in a polyamorous household. That was fine. But the 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 transhumanist motto of like you are in control of your body and that extending beyond gender is actually like was is an easier way for me to be like I can do whatever the fuck I want because I can do whatever the fuck I want and I don't have to actually do 
whatever the fuck I want in your gendered lens world in order for it to be a legitimate choice for me to do whatever the hell I want with my body, right? Like there's like a legitimacy in, in the freedom of transhumanist thought that often doesn't exist in transgender thought or it didn't when I was a teenager, which is a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. I, I would think, like, I think the it's more there now. in the last two, three yeah. years for sure. Totally, totally. There's like, you know, when I was... When I was thinking about these things first, it was like, you know, t- over 20 years ago and the conversation around like us all being non-binary was not present. No. Um, and so there is some part of me that's like, I don't actually think that you can disconnect transhumanism from gender. And so I wish that gender was actually a much bigger focus in the same way that they're like trying to pretend that transhumanism has a huge impact on like scarcity, like on manufacture. There's more dedicated to manufacturing because that's, according to this author, a more central part of transhumanism than gender would be. And I think that's a misstep. Yeah, it's annoying because there's some interesting stuff sort of implied between lines of text. We talk in the little aside on that page with the, where they talk about um, dysphoria and whatnot. They talk about how the elite in the setting um, switch their gender like 20 times a day. They have these big wild orgies where they all swap bodies and fuck each other. And <laughs> that's that's normal. And, you know, that's sort of presented as normal within the setting. And it's weird that, like, I would have one gender I want to stay as, right? Um and that this is sort of another way the elites are keeping people down is by like pretending that like, oh yeah, no, I don't, none of us find this dysphoric at all. Right. Yeah. Like the whole, it's just also oh funny yeah, cause... you know, our bodies, our outfits, we should be able to swap them whenever we want is a concept the like rich higher ups in the society have sort of to normalize the fact that getting in a body that you would necessarily want to get in isn't something available to a lot of people in the setting. Totally. And if you frame it from that lens, but like, yeah, they could have spent, I don't know, another paragraph explaining. <laughs> it's also like, have you ever been to a trans inclusive sex party? Because talking mm-hmm. about changing your bodies for sexual pleasure, it is trans people that are doing that now. You yeah. know, like that's one of those things where I'm like, you can say the elites do it in the future, but we're already doing that all the time in the same night. So like the it's a weird it's a weird thing where I'm like, that wouldn't they wouldn't we wouldn't stop doing that when it became more available and accepted. You know, like that's not really how these things work. Like as we get better at acknowledging gender differences, people don't become more inherently like binary gendered. That's not how this we're going to yeah. stick our feet in. <laughs> Right? And be like, stick your heels in and be like, no, absolutely not. I refuse to go to the future where I can swap my body, even though I've been doing that for a million years. Yeah. Uh, I think I think they, they tried to have, like, a weird, like, grounded approach to what's, like, a wildly difficult concept with, like, oh, yeah, no, everyone's switching bodies all the time. Trans people still exist. How do we bridge that gap? I'm not sure they landed it every time. Yeah. But I do... I am glad they tried at least. It is absolutely the best attempt in a role-playing game book. Like ever this read. is not a conversation that has yeah. I have ever had because of a role-playing game book. So like t- totally this is this is the ceiling for the converse like right like this mm-hmm. is the new floor for every other conversation. Uh I do just think that like, you know, cuz it says like transphobia isn't much of a thing anymore. And if you think that part of the reason that this is kind of like, oh yeah, we can solve your mental health problems, but we're not going to solve capitalism, right? Like if transphobia <laughs> isn't a thing anymore, trans people will manifest differently. We mm-hmm. will make different choices with our bodies. We will make different choices with our manifestations if the world is free of transphobia. <laughs> so like <laughs> like that would 
yeah, it's a weird like, oh, I'm going to erase this, this one, this, this thing that is connected to all these other things and then kind of hold on to a lot of the connections. It's an interesting, I mean, it also means that it's one of the more interesting books to, I think it's probably one of the most interesting books we've read. I don't know if Aaron feels similarly, but as far as like ideas it tries to present. Yeah, I, the math is funny, right? Because if you write down 400 pages of ideas, some of them will probably be interesting. Whereas if you only write down 20 pages of ideas, it's sort of like, you know, there is a sort of, let's throw the spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. But Unless you write 13 age. <laughs> even then, even then, that last section of like gameable lore, oh, totally, I'm on to totally. it. I love it. I think, I think the ratio is better in this book than right. other books. Oh, absolutely. No, I know. It is, I did not mean to undercut you. I think you're right. No, I think um, percentage wise, it does a good job. Number of ideas wise, it does a good job. Um, the the um, second page of the transhuman sexuality. Book. <laughs> All right, we're through with the first page. Let's talk ready. Gender. Let's talk sexuality. Now. Yeah, that was the gender talk. Let's let's talk. <laughs> we're actually not. We're now going to talk about sex. Yeah, no, they're like everyone's polyamorous. Everyone's kinky. Everyone's um because everybody uh, purrs. Everybody purrs. <laughs> Um, they get like more in depth on sex work than I expected out of it, which is again yeah. we spent half a page on it. That's in depth for, but again, that's like it's the ceiling for other RPGs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also think that that like like I do not know this person personally. I know a mm-hmm. million people. Like I, this is an this is the book product of like a section of the internet and a section of culture that I am intimately familiar with. And Mm -hmm. so it's very easy to see, like, I'm assuming this person actually does interact with sex work communities, right? They do interact with trans communities. They might not be in those communities themselves, but they're certainly very close, if not in them, right? Like, and so recognize that, like, culture doesn't exist without sex work, which is every other RPG's failing, right? Every other RPG in the world is like, we've made this intimate, strong setting book, and we've just removed sex work from it. And I'm like, then you don't have a semi-human society that you were trying to pretend that you have, you know? Like, it, you can't actually just remove that. It's like removing commerce from human history. Yeah, uh, and we're talking very out of order about this book, right? Like, because it's like a bunch of rules and then how it came to be in the accelerated future. And then there's like more rules and running the game. But I do think this transhuman sexuality was sort of like a good turning point in the book where it's like, Oh, it's actually getting good again. (laughs) Um, Because this, this section is the first time in the book I was like, Oh, I would run this campaign. They talk about um, the red cloaks who are sex workers with the license to hunt and kill anyone in the solar system who fucks with other sex workers. Mm -hmm, Uh, um, Yeah. Which is shit rules. That's a campaign book. That's a campaign. Yeah. (laughs) I want a table of like to generate the shitheads. I want a, a table to generate the madams. Like I just want, I want to know what their spaceship looks like. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Different style. Give me 20 different kinds of red cloaks. Like <laughs> 20 types of future velvet. The red cloaks. <laughs> but they don't all have to be velvet. Some are plastic. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, exactly. Like, th- I guess that's part of my, it gets back to that idea of like, if this is a wiki, I don't want to read every article on the wiki. I want to read the three articles associated with the red cloaks. I want to print them out and put them on the back of my GM screen so I can run this game kind of thing. Like, Yeah, the red cloaks rock, and it's wild that they get like a paragraph and a half. 
they they should it should be yeah, the whole it book should, <laughs> it should be it should be a whole faction like there are there are pages and pages dedicated to like other factions mm-hmm. in in this book you should for sure it for sure for sure be in there i do feel like like so much of this book is sci-fi fodder and then there's so much good stuff like you don't need to tell me about mars my dude nobody like it's not i don't care about the habitats on mars like this is we all know like what we have enough sci-fi imagery for mars uh max we all know mars (laughs) lander (laughs) which is like there's so much out there that is like yes i get it full stop you have me on this podcast you can't talk about science fiction settings on mars eat my ass mars Eat my ass, man. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the difference here is that, like, the stuff that is said is generic, right? Yeah. Like, dome habitats or whatever, right? Is like, the, there's a lot of here is, I know you're going to put it, I haven't, <laughs> you're probably putting a dome habitat. I get it, it's because the air is unlivable or whatever. Uh, but, like, <laughs> it is this, like, make all of those things weird and interesting if you're going to include them in your book. I don't know. Yeah, maybe just play them. We can skip them. Maybe make this them is all me something directly that... to Keegan. Keegan, make everything. <laughs> no. Do not do this. <laughs> I think it's what I was talking about with that thirteenth age lore. Is like I was bored with so much of thirteenth age, but then those last fourteen pages or whatever invited me into this world to like either change something or I'm trying to just walk through and somebody's stopping me. And like I want that for every interesting fact in this book. I want. How does it come into my game? How do I, mm-hmm. as a GM, bring it in? Or if a player encounters it, what does it invite them to do? How does it invite them to become a participant and like a mover and a shaker in this world? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I feel that. Yeah, there's there's a lot of the book that's nothing. And then there's big sections of book that are just incredible. And <laughs> we could cut a lot of the book. We could cut a lot of the book. I also like... I didn't mean to call out Mars specifically. That's rude of me. But no, it's fine. Just, just talk like shit it's... about my entire most recent RPG product. Yeah, it's yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely one of those. Fine, we'll talk about Jupiter. I just feel like the if there's, I don't. Okay, so this was part of my thought process. Do you feel how do you, like did when you were reading it? Did you feel like you could direct track stuff from science fiction books that you've read? Oh, one hundred percent. Because that's the part I felt like that could be left out. Mm-hmm. Was the part that I was like, I've read this story. Somebody else wrote it. You don't need to put it in your RPG. And that, like, there are not lots of things. Not just one person wrote it. A lot of the sections, it's like, oh, cool. And you're not wrong. It's a dome city on Mars. It's a cloud city on Jupiter. It's, you know, X, Y, Z. We could, we could skip all those settings. The player, We could guess it. <laughs> yeah. It's, or you could just say, Mars is full of dome cities, right? You don't need, like, chapters and chapters. Like, you don't need paragraphs and paragraphs to say Mm -hmm. Mars is a dome city. Like, we all know. Like, yeah, whatever. Summarize that shortly and get on to the other cool things. Because I feel like I'm not entirely certain how this book would change if it was not, if it was the licensed Altered Carbon slash The Expanse book. Yeah. Right? Like that, like like 90% of this world building is expanse is slash altered carbon. out of altered carbon. Flat yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. And like the interstellar stuff, like the stuff about like the planets and like, or the, the you know, there's this huge, the whatever, the virus and the gates. And like, I get it. The, it's the expanse meets fucking whatever. Mm-hmm. Altered carbon. And to be fair, I love altered carbon. Uh, nobody fucking, that biggest 
biggest oh my god I'm trans so I'm gonna be a transphobe author of the world Richard Morgan uh, <laughs> horniest for trans people Richard Morgan um, what a jerk don't give him money or support his books or whatever yeah. but the they are I did read them before he outed himself as a huge asshole uh, and I really liked them because they deal with a lot of these issues of like you get to resleeve into different bodies and what does that look like and how does sexuality manifest and whatever um, and a lot of it feels like generically that and then with some other little bits in there from other science fiction and that's the stuff that I'm like I don't I don't need it but you telling me like the cultural stuff like around gender and sex work and polyamory and even religion like the way religion like Catholicism is not dominant in this world anymore because we left behind the earth of the God or whatever because right because like we like... killed God is what, <laughs> yeah. the, is what the game says <laughs> Which, like, rad, great. I want to know those things, right? Mm-hmm. Like, those things are cool uh, and, like, gameable as opposed to Mars Dome. Yeah. No, you're totally right. <laughs> I'm uh, taking it personally, but you're not yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you write 400 pages <laughs> of Mars Dome? Uh, no. The book. <laughs> Uh, we're gonna read your book when it. We're gonna read your oh, book. Jesus. RTFM. We're gonna give it the RTFM treatment. Oh God. Um, <laughs> no, but I do feel like I. Do, I do also. I am with you on the fact that I don't think the transhuman sexuality should be followed immediately by family and children. Oh my God! And then to do family and children so poorly, it was <laughs> such tonal whiplash to go from. The transhuman sexuality, where, where they took a big swig, it didn't always hit, but they swung, to going to making babies. You can you can make babies. You talk to a baby designer, and they make the baby you want them to make. And it's just like, we don't, you don't, there's not even an aside from someone who's like, hey, this is, this is eugenics and bad, and we shouldn't do this. I want, I want the making babies section to start with like, y'all know about adoptables? <laughs> like a Twitter artist draws like... <laughs> four weird animals and they're like if you pay me twenty dollars you get to adopt one of these animals i want the baby section to start with twitter animal infomorph adoptables mm-hmm. and be like you can pay 20 mars bucks and then you are the parent of that of, baby of this octopus infomorph <laughs> it's and what? that's family that's family that's family Family is you and the adoptable octopus infomorph. You, your muse, and the Twitter artist adoptable (laughs) octopus infomorph. You can make a living out in your scum swarm. I I skipped past this on my notes, but I just want to rapid fire. Transhuman sexuality includes the phrase Martian gender designers, and that's just good. (laughs) And then it also has the sentence, transhuman laws can't comprehend logarithmic orgasms. Where's the rest of that writing? Yeah, that one was really good. Yeah. That one was really good. I enjoyed it a lot. When I first opened the book for the very first time, it's the page I opened to, and I was like, oh, this book's going to be incredible. And it was good. I'm not mad at the book overall, but, like, where was the rest of it? I definitely, I definitely think that, like, 
we're all we all just want the same oh just make us the book for the weird little freaks and every time that you put a weird little freak in there we're like yes the weird little freak and then every time you're like oh we put in a elite society with power structures we're like ugh get i out. have a i have a bell in my house like in coldstone creamery and whenever i read a book that gives me a funky little freak I run out to my living room and I ring that bell like I'm calling everyone to lunch. <laughs> and like you need help and you work at Trader Joe's. <laughs> exactly. Um, we're at an hour sixteen. Do we want to start wrapping up? I guess. I'm trying could've. to think if there was anything else worth worth saying. Um, I don't think there. I don't think there was anything else killer here the pre-made characters are nifty i don't know if you all glance through them but like oh yeah those are good yeah they were good i was they they introduced a lot of really cool stuff there that doesn't really feel like it was capitalized on in a cool way oh but i do want to say you can be octopus you can't see it online but <laughs> yeah it's a cool octopus there's so, so many cool fun. octopuses in here there's a romantic they... octopus on the transhuman sexuality page having a romance with a fucking robot yeah, there's the robots with the giant eyes for heads. There's just so many cool, weird little freaks in this book. You can be a Neanderthal. And I do love that they're like, they recovered the DNA from Neanderthal. They found it in us. You can be one now, mm-hmm. but I will say they are cowards <laughs> for not letting us be dinosaurs. Like, Oh, yeah. Oh, again, yeah. I should be able to be halfway. a pterodactyl. Exactly. I should be able to be two pterodactyls forming a Yin-Yang. <laughs> <laughs> We're ending this podcast. Right now. <laughs> uh, okay, are we going into the cleanup section? What are we? What do we call this? Not that clean. I to, uh, yeah, I, I have to clean up from this octopus infomorph situation I've been dealing he with. I did. I'm so a... sorry. <laughs> Cute. I did have a note that said all of this is like good info for the world, but could you imagine if a rules is written dude got a hold of this? Oh my god. Like arguing about the nature of 3D printing or neo paganism in a post post Earth world, <laughs> like just sounds like the worst game experience. Like if you just take your worst D and D rules lawyer dude and then hand them 400 pages of like pseudoscience futures thinking and be like, yeah, let's argue about this shit. This sounds great. Actually, you can't have that sex because your morph doesn't have the pleasure receptacles for like whatever the fuck. Uh, so like I feel like in the right hands this is a tool of great fun and in the wrong hands this would empower some terrible playing experiences but that's just bloat bloat is never it's never friends uh, yeah I don't know it was cool I did I do really like it I do think the like I do really like a lot of it I do really like the pools I think the pools are cool I think it's cool that they're like death doesn't mean anything necessarily mm-hmm. anymore so like there's all of this cultural relationship to death that is just lost like blood sports is also a huge thing which like i would play a blood sports campaign 100 percent. yeah there's also forking cool not forking is so fucking. cool how did forking we is that? cool fucking is <laughs> fucking is cool and forking is cool but they're not the same thing but yeah. they could be there's an aside on be. one of the pages that mentions characters uh, mentions uh people who fork and then fuck themselves and yeah the weird legality of that on different planets and it was like where's the rest of it <laughs> yeah again give me the original 200 page book of this and then give me the 40 page zine on forking that includes rules for forking three sample adventures for forking a table of laws you know do you know what i mean like 
a table take of those awesome weird kernels. ways your forks change. Yeah. Right. Like, take those awesome kernels and give them a full development that I can just hold through my hand and look through when I want to focus on forking in an adventure. I want to focus, focus on forking in all adventures. You want to forkus on forking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hey, let's... Fuck, and I want to fork. Let's go. <laughs> let's be done. Lol. This is, this is our time to... This. To leave this book and find other books, other movies, other things we've engaged with lately. It's still called Appendix now, despite Max hating the name. The people have spoken. They chose the name. They liked it. They're, they're, they're idiots. They're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Max, you you read anything good? You watch anything good? I'm reading the second Broken Earth book by N.K. Jemisin. Who's oh, I thought you'd read them all. Genius. No, I'd read the first one. Um, but I was having a conversation about her recently and was talking about how like she kind of feels a little bit like Becky Chambers to me and not in that they write similarly, but in that there is something about both of them that just like transcends their craft. Like they're like brilliant writers and then there is something on top of that that just makes everything super phenomenal um but i'm reading that one but actually talking about nk jemison is i does any the city we became is one of my favorite books of recent memory and i feel like it would be such a fun rpg setting the idea that like cities have like personalities like there are like city egos avatars yeah i love it i love it uh that would be my i would happily play in uh the city we became rpg cool i only have the warren by brian evanson which i think applies to this game because it is about you know in a far future or maybe even not on earth uh, someone who thinks he is human encounters someone else who thinks he is human and neither of them are what we would consider human. And they argue about like, no, I'm a person and you are not. And it's 93 pages. So, you know, if you want a tight little meditation on that, um, there's multiplicity of selves, there's reproduction without sex. It's a very strange little book. I really liked it. Nice. Keegan, you're you're taking us out now. Oh God, do I have to have an appendix then? You don't have to. Great. If I'm gonna don't. do one anyway. It's fine. <laughs> I just finished reading Nona the Ninth, which is Hey, if you if you haven't finished this book, skip thirty seconds. It just came out. Um <laughs> uh it's another book about uh what happens when the world ends and uh it's like post scarcity and nonsense. It was really good. Um anyway. I, I'm, I'm sh- ending. I'm shaking my head in the background. I'm ending the podcast. Did is that what you? Said? <laughs> no, you just. This is now your background. your window again to talk about what you do and and lead people. People oh. are finishing this podcast. They're like, oh no, I still have laundry to do. What should yeah. I go watch next on Twitch or YouTube? Go buy, or... Go yeah. buy Keegan's game about Mars domes. <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> I'm working on a game about a dome on Mars where everybody lives. <laughs> It's called Blister City. It's really good. It's not out because it's too many pages. And I don't want to do layout. Um, if you if you want to see more of me, uh, find me on Cult EXE. It's my channel over on Plus One EXP with friend of the pod, uh, Sarah Franco. Oh, Sarah X Franco. There we go. Um, we stream like weekly-ish. That's all.
Uh, you just streamed with Ray Najati about yeah. Apocalypse Keys, who also has been on the podcast. Um, yeah. I, I, I've streamed with Tony, who had his Tony voice at the has... very start of the live episode. <laughs> right. Uh, we have an episode coming up with... Oh, God. I shouldn't start to say something if I don't remember his name. Uh, we're doing City of Mist next with the guy who wrote City of Mist, um, which should be fun. <laughs> That's all. That was my whole thought. <laughs> Great. Um, as always, we have a Ko-Fi. You can find it in the show notes. We have a Discord. We've been playing games. Um, I'm going to try to open up a West Marches ongoing weekly drop-in game in the next few weeks. Uh, what else? I have. I will have something in Adam Vass's Babes in the Wood little bundle announced for Halloween. That'll be on the 10th. Uh, fuck, there's something else too. Max, do you have something? I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of working on 700 million things. And because of your West Marches idea, I started making a silly PBTA tunnel goons hack. And that is the thing that I'm closest to finishing, even though it is absolutely derailing me from the things that I'm supposed to be working on. <laughs> Like getting himbos into my hands. It is in the mail. People have started <laughs> receiving them today. People oh no. have seen pictures of it. To be fair, those are the ones in Canada. So I'm sure it'll take a, a couple more yeah, days to get to the States. Yeah, it'll take a month to get to me. It's fine. Maybe. But uh, they are in the mail. Himbos, the first, the first, if you bought it and you actually gave me your address, it's it. It's out. And I'm, I'm working. I'm still, I'm working away on a, on a, the first big dungeon for it. Uh, which I'm very excited about, but also I want to run. Um, Colin Cummings wrote a little pamphlet adventure that is in every uh, every copy of Himbos, and I think it would be a hoot to run it. And so maybe that's the thing I'll do publicly someday. Maybe. Next episode, I think, is Quiet Year. Yeah. So short. A short book. Wow. Jumping jumping from my 400-page monstrosity <laughs> to Quiet Year. Yeah, yeah. You really. You really fucked us on this one, thanks. Yeah, you really forked us. <laughs> uh, anything else? Thank no. you for joining us. Have we ever said that? Hey, we appreciate that you listen to our <laughs> podcast. I'm not laughing. They're all laughing, but we do. Like, I can laugh and appreciate at the same time. Uh. Do you have a quote for us? I'm really, every every week, every couple of weeks, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm so excited about Aaron's quote. And then they pick something that's, like, super innocuous from, like, the middle of the book that I totally didn't even get. I'm like, there's so many interesting, there's good, juicy so tidbits. There's so many raw lines in this book, Aaron. Yeah. Get us something good. What do, you, what do you got for us? Entire habitats have been destroyed by putting too much trust in creative people. Ugh. There I'm was just not going to respond to it. We're done. There was zero <laughs> tentacle sex Let's in that. Leave. I'm upset about it. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>